0: Hey, it's Mike, and this podcast is brought to you by Legion, my line of naturally sweetened and flavored workout supplements. Now, as you probably know, I'm really not a fan of the supplement industry. I've wasted thousands and thousands of dollars over the years on worthless supplements that basically do nothing. And I've always had trouble finding products actually worth buying. And especially as I've gotten more and more educated as to what actually works and what doesn't. And eventually after complaining a lot, I decided to do something about it and start making my own supplements. The exact supplements I myself have always wanted. A few things that make my products unique are one, they're 100% naturally sweetened and flavored, which I think is good because while artificial sweeteners, may not be as harmful as some people claim. There is research that suggests regular consumption of these chemicals may not be good for our health, particularly our gut health. So I like to just play it safe and sweeten everything with stevia and erythritol, which are natural sweeteners that actually have health benefits, not health risks. Two, all ingredients are backed by peer-reviewed scientific research that you can verify for yourself. If you go on our website and you check out any of our product pages, you're gonna see that we explain why we've chosen each ingredient And we cite all supporting evidence in the footnotes so you can go look at the research for yourself and verify that we're doing the right thing. Three, all ingredients are also included at clinically effective dosages, which are the exact dosages used in those studies that prove their effectiveness. This is very important because while a molecule might be proven to, let's say, improve your workout performance, not all dosages are going to improve your workout performance. If you take too little, you're not going to see any effects. You have to take the right amounts. And the right amounts are the amounts proven to be effective in scientific research. And four, there are no proprietary blends, which means you know exactly what you're buying when you buy our supplements. All of our formulations are 100% transparent in terms of ingredients and dosages. So if that sounds interesting to you and you want to check it out, then go to www.legionathletics.com. That's L-E-G-I-O-N, athletics.com. And if you like what you see and you want to buy something, use the coupon code. code podcast, P-O-D-C-A-S-T, and you will save 10% on your order. Also, if you like what I have to say in my podcast, then I guarantee you'll like my books. I make my living primarily as a writer, so as long as I can keep selling books, then I can keep writing articles over at Muscle for Life and Legion and recording podcasts and videos like this and all that fun stuff. Now, I have several books, but the place to start is Bigger, Leaner, Stronger if you're a guy and Thinner, Leaner, Stronger if you're a girl. Now, these books, they're basically going to teach you everything you need to know about dieting, training, and supplementation to build muscle, lose fat, and look and feel great without having to give up all the foods you love or live in the gym grinding away at workouts you hate. And you can find my books everywhere. You can buy books online like Amazon, Audible, iBooks, Google Play, Barnes & Noble, Kobo and so forth. And if you're into audiobooks like me, you can actually get one of my audiobooks for free with a 30-day free trial of Audible. To do that, go to www.muscleforlife.com forward slash audiobooks. That's muscleforlife.com forward slash audiobooks and you'll see how to do this. So thanks again for taking the time to listen to my podcast. I hope you enjoy it and let's get to the show. Hey, this is Mike Matthews from MuscleLife.com. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for stopping by. Uh, in this episode, I'm going to be continuing the q and um, I checked the Google Moderator, and there are a few new questions that have gotten voted up, so I'm going to tackle them. And there are also questions that I get asked fairly often in my email and social media and so forth, so I think they'd make a good uh, podcast. And specifically what the questions are going to be relating to are some, uh, just some diet Advice in the way of meal planning, meal tracking, using MyFitnessPal, um, <clears throat> and how to how to make the progression kind of into flexible dieting uh, as smooth as possible, and how to go from a kind of newbie to a more advanced flexible dieter in a sense, uh, and some tips and tricks that I like to use. And then the other question is going to be about cardio and weightlifting and if doing cardio impairs uh, your weightlifting gains and how to, how to manage that. And then the last question is going to be about uh, why I recommend that women start training in a higher rep range than men with lighter weight than men and uh, when women should start including heavier weightlifting in their training. All right, so let's get to it here. So the first question here comes from Neil, and he says that uh, I give some great nutrition advice, and he wants me to share how I implement this. For example, currently using my fitness FitnessPal works fairly well, but do you measure your meats raw or cooked? There seem to be a lot of ways to do this. Um, so I'm going to take this simple question. I measure everything raw because cook weights can change. But I want to talk a bit, a bit, uh, bit more about just kind of flexible dieting in general, and how to. M- how I like to 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 utilize it, um, and how I think people that are new to it should should you use it in the beginning and then kind of how to progress uh, from that newbie stage into a more uh, once you become more comfortable with it and how to how to make it even more flexible I guess in a sense so one thing that I uh, still do myself is i i don 't really track uh, on a day to day like i don 't use my fitness pal because I prefer to make a meal plan um and i eat certain meals are fixed in terms of i eat the same foods every day because i really like them they just taste great and you know i don't have any reason to change them i do every once in a while every few months or so i'll do something different so those meals are very simple i keep some food here at the office uh, like for instance, uh, honey crisp apples are in season right now. They're so delicious. So I, uh, you know, I'll work a couple of those in my, in my meal plan every day. Um, I eat these spelt muffins that are in, spelt English muffins that are super good with some PB2 and jelly. So certain things that I just, those, those meals are real good, real tasty. And, um, so those don't change. And then other meals, like for instance, my dinners are a bit more flexible in terms of, I, I just have numbers. Like I'm gonna eat hundred grams of carb, uh, probably about 50 grams of protein and 20 grams of fat. And that's my dinner. Um, and I decide on a day-to-day basis, sometimes I just get into a, like a mood of, because I'm working on a new cookbook right now. So I kind of use that dinner slot to, to try different recipes. And then if one's particularly good, I might eat it a few days in a row and just kind of play with it. Um, and, but you know, I'm making that work in terms of like, I'm going on, on I'm pretty familiar with the, with the different foods that I eat now, but if there's something I'm not familiar with, going Calorie King and I do check it out to see, uh, you know, what am I actually eating. But that is a, is a good way if you want to, you know, just go home and decide do you feel like having some pasta, do you feel like having some potato, do you feel like having some sweet potato, or do you feel like having some bread, whatever, just, you know, you got to work out in those numbers. And if you are maintaining or um, you have a little bit of flexibility there, I would say you have more flexibility in terms of like – you know if you're 50 calories or 100 calories over your your uh what your allotment for that meal if you're maintaining it's not that big of a deal i would say you have probably the most flexibility when you're maintaining than when you're cutting or bulking because when you're cutting if you get too loose with your meals you might end up overeating by 400 calories a day and if you do that enough days in the week that can be i mean that's it you might not even lose any fat that week and if you're bulking and you do that and you are too loosey-goosey and you're overeating by 400 calories a day when you're bulking, then you're just going to be you know, eating – you're, you're going to be in an even bigger surplus, which means faster fat uh, storage, which means – uh, you know as you get fatter insulin insulin sensitivity goes down in in your not just in your fat cells that 'd be great, uh, but in your muscle cells as well and you know one of insulin 's jobs is to drive nutrients into the cells, so you want your body to be responding well to insulin signals and as you get fatter, it just doesn 't um, so when you're bulking, that's, you 're bulking that 's you don 't want to be gaining fat too quickly because you, in, as it goes on you 're kind of impairing your body 's ability to build muscle so that's when you're bulking. I, I, and the, the mistake that so many people make is they think they're bulking, so they can just, you know, who cares if they eat another chocolate bar or they eat another this or another that, or whatever. Um, that's definitely the wrong way to, to look at it because what will happen is you'll gain fat too quickly. Uh, and so then you'll only, let's say, be in two months of a surplus instead of four months of a surplus. And you only have built, you know, as much muscle as you've built in those two months. And then you have to cut. And if, even if you do the cut right and you preserve that muscle, you still now, let's say the cut takes another two months, then you're back to a bulk that you want to be dragging those bulks out. You want those bulks, you want to, you know, you want to be four months or even longer depending on, you know, your body and how it responds to a surplus of food. Uh, in that surplus, building muscle, building muscle. And then when you flip to a cut, ideally it's as fast as possible without crash dieting so you can get back to bulking and so forth. Um, so when I'm maintaining, um, I, I'm I'm following numbers, you know, some days I'm going to be a little bit over some days I'm going to be a little bit under, um, and it all kind of evens out when I'm cutting. I usually, uh, am a bit more specific with my foods when I'm cutting. So those hundred grams of carbs might be, uh, you know, 500 grams of potato or something like that, or, you know, 70, I don't know, uh, 70 grams of carb from potato and some vegetables as well. But it's a bit more precise, just so I don't accidentally, you know, overeat basically. Um, but in the beginning, what I recommend, if you're new to flexible dieting and you're not sure if it really works, because you've heard all the bullshit out there about, you know, fat loss requires that you don't eat certain foods, or you do eat all these different types of foods, or you do this kind of cleanse, or you know, you, uh, don't eat after a certain time period or whatever. And if it sounds too, if flexible dieting, which is just hit certain numbers every day, eat foods you like, eat whenever you like. If that sounds too good to be true, I understand. I thought the same thing in the beginning. I thought I was, I was definitely skeptical. So that's why in the beginning, I recommend that you create a meal plan, which I will link an article down below that shows you exactly how to do this, that, you know, fits your numbers. You eat the exact same foods, every meal, every day. These are foods you like, so you're not going to get sick of, you know, it's going to take you probably a good three or four weeks before you feel over anything particular because you're eating foods you like. Uh, So you eat the same foods every meal, every day. See how it works. See how your body responds. And then, you know, you'll see the weight coming off, and then you'll know that that it, it is that simple. So from there, if you want to make some changes, I recommend that you start with changing individual meals. So let's say your breakfast is normally... I don't know, uh, 40 protein, 70 carb, and like 20 fat, and you want to do a new breakfast. Take those numbers, go on calorieking.com, come up with something new, uh, and make that your breakfast, and then eat that, eat that, eat that, and see that your body still continues losing fat, and you still feel good, no problems, okay, cool, maybe your lunch now can change next, or maybe your dinner, or whatever but you're still following you're still eating the same foods every day and when you feel comfortable with that then you know if you want to just do what I'm doing right now cuz I'm maintaining which is just you know you have certain I mean you can do it when you're cutting too but then that's where my fitness pal comes in so if you're going to just say hey I need you know for my lunch I want to eat 70 carb 30 protein and 10 fat and you want to just kind of decide on the fly, on the go, like what is that going to be every day? You're going to want to use MyFitnessPal. You're going to want to set custom macros on the website though. Don't use their recommendations because it's too low calorie, too low, too low protein. But you're going to want to you know, go set custom macros, use that app. Um, don't go out and eat at restaurants because you don't know what's in there. there. You have to assume there's always more calories than than you want there to be. Uh, usually in the form of like butter, cream, and oil, and stuff like that. You know, which just makes food taste good. So you're gonna want to prepare the food yourself, um, and or you know, or if it's just simple things like fruit and certain vegetables and nuts and things that don't need prepared, you just have them and eat them and track how much you're eating. Um, and that's where weighing comes in. You're gonna want to know, like, okay, you're you're gonna eat almonds. How many almonds? Put it on the little food scale. I have one at the office. Uh, so if you're going to eat, you know, hundred grams of almonds or whatever it is, then you, you can be very precise in your intake. Um, but then you can be flexible. You can eat different foods every day if you'd like, but you have to be willing when you're cutting at least to go through that drudgery, I guess a little bit. And it'd be the same for bulking and maintaining. If you're really trying, if you're really kind of, your intake is different every day in terms of what you're eating, then you just have to get used to, uh, <laughs> tracking things basically. And, uh, then also along the way, you're going to start learning foods, and you're going to start getting familiar with foods. So then, if you're, you know, let's say you're out doing something all day, and you're you're at Disney World, and you're not, you don't want to bring, you know, all your snacks and things with you. You want to eat when you're there. Well, then what you can do is, uh, when you're familiar with foods, and you go to a restaurant, and you can look over uh, a menu, and you'll immediately know certain foods are just off limits because there's way too much fat or you don't know what's in there there's probably too much or whatever but then there are plenty of things that you can know okay that's that's a that that can't be that bad you know what i mean uh if you're at a steakhouse for instance tons of things you can order at steakhouses that you can you can get a pretty good idea of and sometimes even i've like checked on my on, on calorie king for instance like uh if there's calamari for instance well calamari is yeah it's okay it's it's fried and battered uh squid but it doesn't change the unless there's like some high-calorie sauce with it. Usually, it's a marinara sauce or something sweet. Um, you can find some numbers on that online, just so you can have an idea. That's what I do. Uh, if I'm if I just want to make sure I don't grossly overeat, I'm not trying to hit an exact number. Sometimes I'll do that. I'll check certain things and just you know maybe round up or something like that. So yeah, those are some just general kind of tips that I recommend in terms of, of flexible dieting, how how you can get into it. And then see that it works and then start changing with it and start playing with it. All right, so the next question here is from Gary uh, from South Korea. And he, is, he says that, hey, Mike, a lot of confusion out there about this, myself included. If I do a 16 to 20-minute Tabata session, I might actually not be pronouncing that correctly, uh, hit high-intensity interval, um after a BLS lifting session, am I killing gains or affecting muscle growth? If so, are there ways to combat this uh such as eating extra? Um it's a good question, something I get asked fairly often. Uh, I'm gonna be actually addressing this a bit more. I address it in bigger than stronger, but in the second edition, which is gonna be out in about a month, about in sometime in December, um I'm gonna be addressing this even more. Um and here's the thing. Um there 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 is the research that you know that I cite in the book and the explanations of why combining strength and cardio is not uh, the best idea and kind of impairs your gains on both fronts because it sends mixed messages on a cellular level. Um, this is most seen in CrossFit style lifting, where you know you're really combining your weightlifting or you're turning your weightlifting into a cardio workout. Um, so that is not ideal for improving strength or cardiovascular, uh, performance or capacity. Um, but it does apply also to, if you're weightlifting and then doing cardio right after, however, in working with a lot of people, I can say that, um, there are quite a few people that due to, you know, just life obligations, they can't necessarily get to a gym twice a day or, they don't um they're not able to do their cardio at home uh which by the way i mean if if that if you're in that position where you don't want to go to the gym twice a day you know once to lift and once to do cardio i understand i'm the same way i wouldn't want to drive to the gym to do cardio um You could look at getting, like, a recumbent bike and just sticking it in your garage. I live in a condo building, and the gym in the condo building has some weight, some dumbbells up to, like, 50 pounds and some machines and stuff, which I don't care about, but it has a recumbent bike. So I'll just go upstairs and, you know, do my cardio there. But if I had a house, I would definitely just have a recumbent bike, probably stick it in the garage, and that would be it. So it's an easy way to do cardio, or you can just go outside. You can do sprints outside. You can do sprints on a bike, just riding a bike. Um, I like the recumbent, though, just because... uh, I can bring my my iPad. I can read or watch a TV show or something and, you know, the time just kind of flies by. Um rowing machines are good as well. It's another good form of cardio. But if if none of that's uh none of that's possible, then uh you can do your cardio after weightlifting like I said. I've worked with a lot of guys now and a lot of girls as well that uh do this and don't seem to have any trouble. They continue to make gains. They do all right. What some of them like to do is uh, they like to just drink their, they'll have, they'll, they'll lift and then just have like a, a scoop of whey protein uh, and then do their cardio just in case um, it, it, it can help, which it may. Uh, I don't know of any research. I mean, it's, just, it's such a kind of specialized situation. I don't think there's any research out there that really kind of even lend in some, some insight on into that. But it may help. Uh, But the point is, especially because if you're doing high-intensity interval cardio where it's uh, already a bit more muscle protective, and I'll link an article down below which uh, explains why that is, um, relates, relates mainly to hormones, and then also to the fact that especially if you're biking or rowing, you're using muscles in a similar way that you would use them in your weightlifting uh, and and that helps just preserve muscle and strength. You're doing cardio, so if you're doing 20, 25 minutes of high intensity interval cardio, that's very different than you know weightlifting and then going and jogging for six miles or something like that. The the former, or sorry, the latter, going out for a long run or something like that after weightlifting would not be a good idea. But the the shorter 20, 25 minute, maybe 30 minutes max, uh, bout of high intensity interval cardio after weightlifting. Um, doesn't seem to to get in the way of anything. So ideally, ideally, you'd separate those workouts. Um, and that's, again, that's kind of looking at it theoretically. Um, it's hard to say exactly. I mean, obviously, you can't compare. I don't have... You know, some controlled study where one you have you know this group of people are are separating their workouts and this group of people are doing their their HIIT cardio after their weightlifting. But I have worked with a lot of people and I know that doing the cardio after the weightlifting doesn't. It's not a game breaker. Um, ideally, though, you'd separate the the. The the workouts. Okay, now so let's get to the next question. Here this is from Anna from Brazil, and she asks why women should train in the eight ten rep range instead of the four to six rep range. a good question, I get asked that fairly often. If you're not familiar with what she's talking about, she's referring to my book Thinner, Leaner, Stronger, in which I recommend that women train in the eight to ten rep range, and versus my book Bigger, Leaner, Stronger for men, in which I recommend that uh, guys train in the four to six rep range. And there are a couple reasons for this. One is that um, after working with a lot of women. Uh, especially if they're new to weightlifting, I find that, um, one, they're a little bit intimidated in the beginning, which I understand most guys are too. Um, but two, they are, uh, very weak (laughs) when it, when it comes to, uh, proper weightlifting. So, you know, sure. A lot of women, they'll do things with dumbbells and do bodyweight stuff and that's cool. But, you know, if they're supposed to now push a barbell, whether it's a bench press or, you know, push it above their head. Forty-five pounds. That now is a whole other thing. Most women that I've worked with, they start with dumbbells because the barbell is even too much, Um, and so they're working with dumbbells just to kind of work in the eight to ten rep range. And that that feels very heavy to them because many many women are used to doing very high rep training you know 20 30 rep type stuff cuz that's what's pushed in a lot of magazines um so even starting in the 8 to 10 rep range is feels very heavy and and it can be a bit intimidating so starting in this 4 to 6 rep range we you're using about 80 to 85% of your one rep max I mean that uh, I've I've had women try it and and they were very uncomfortable with it and and then went back to the 8 to 10 rep range to get used to that so yeah that's that's the that's the first reason the second reason is um, with certain lifts like the deadlift and the squat and the bench press, and the military press, they're very form reliant they're great exercises, but you have to do them correctly. And if you do them incorrectly, you can get hurt. Um, or if even maybe if you, I injuries are, are kind of uncommon, but you can strain things. Um, you can, you know, aggravate things, you can aggravate tendons. Um, and it's, it's just no fun. You want to, you want to you know, push heavy weight, pull heavy weight, squat heavy weight, but you want to make sure you're doing it correctly. So you don't, uh, you know, put yourself, set yourself back and the heavier you go, the more likely you are to let your form go out. And the more likely you are to, uh, you know, maybe round your back too much on a deadlift and and piss it off, or you know bow your knees in on your on your squat when you 're ascending and and you know piss something off there or whatever and uh, so what I find with with many women is um, while men can start out with heavier 4-6 to six rep, 80-85% of your 1 rep max and, and get shown the form and do pretty well, you know they come into the, the game much, much stronger than, than women do. So I find that um, women new to weightlifting find it much harder to maintain proper form when they start with very heavy weights uh, as opposed to less heavy weights. Now, 8-10 rep range is not light. It's just not very heavy. And uh, even that, like I said, many women struggle in the beginning to kind of get their form in the eight to 10 rep range and really keep it in. Um, but then, you know, after a few months, everything's good and they're rolling. And that's not a problem. And then the last reason why uh, relates to, to muscle recovery. Um, women's bodies can't recover from muscle damage caused by weightlifting nearly as well as guys' bodies can um, simply because there's such a difference in testosterone levels. Women's bodies have you know, about a tenth of the testosterone on average as, 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 as men's bodies. Um, and testosterone, hormonally speaking, is the primary anabolic driver of muscle growth and muscle recovery. The more testosterone you have in your body, uh, the faster your muscles are going to recover, and the stronger they're going to be, and the more you're going to gain in the gym. Um, and I mean that—that—that's a, a simple—that's a, I guess, a simple way of looking at it. Although I, you should know that it's worth noting that um, natural fluctuations in, in testosterone, which are small, are not going to make a big difference. For instance, if if some guys at five NGDL test and some other guys at six hundred their gains in terms of strength and size are going to be nearly identical. You're not going to see a difference there. But if a guy's at 500 and another guy's at you know 1,100 or 1,000 or whatever, there's going to be a difference. It's not necessarily going to be – oh night and day like this one dude looks like a massive roid beast and the other dude just looks like a skinny fat weakling but uh the dude at a thousand the guy at a thousand ngdl will make gains faster and will be able like he would be able to train more frequently he'd be able to you know train with a higher weekly volume and so forth so bringing it back to women it's a recovery thing in the beginning uh you know women's bodies probably could do fine with some four to six rep training, uh, but I wouldn't recommend all of the training or the majority of the training in the four to six rep range, like in Bigger, Leaner, Stronger or in in the uh, program, the advanced program of Bigger, Leaner, Stronger, which is beyond Bigger, Leaner, Stronger. That includes some heavy, heavy two to three rep, like powerlifting type stuff. And again, women can do this, but not on the program that is laid out for men because it's simply too much for their bodies. And they will end up overtraining after uh, a period of time. So, with all that said, uh, what I find works well, and something I'm going to be including in the second edition of Thinner, Thinner Leaner, Stronger, which I'm uh, almost done with. Well, I'm done with my part of it. It's being typeset and it's being all put together now. Um, And that is that once women are acclimated with the 8 to 10 rep range and they've built a foundation of strength and muscle, they then can benefit from the inclusion of some heavier weightlifting. And I've worked with a lot of women now that we've worked to this point where they started, you know, they had... Trouble, you know, in the beginning, even lifting the bar, let's say, or pressing the bar, and now they're they're bench pressing 85 pounds or whatever it is, and they've they've uh, they really have their form down, and they want to take their training to the next level. We then include three sets of four to six rep training in each of their workouts, and starting their workouts with the heavy, heavy, uh, and and using compound exercises like, you know, they're going to start their their chest training or their push training with. Um, f- like three sets of four to six rep bench press, or th- or if it's shoulders, uh, then it'd be like three sets of four to six rep military presses. Pulling or back would be three three uh, sets of four to six rep deadlifts. Uh, legs would be squats, of course, and that works very well. I've uh, again, I've worked with quite a few women that have been able to break through plateaus of after a year or so of working in the eight to 10 rep range. Uh, very happy with how their body has changed, but trouble, you know taking it to the next level, including some heavier weightlifting has very, really, really helped them. So I'm going, to be, I'm going to be talking more about this in the book and how to how to work it in, but I thought I'd just throw that out there just in case, you know, if you're listening and you're a woman in that situation where you feel like you could be doing more about how to do it, that's how I recommend it. All right, so those are the three questions I want to cover in today's podcast. Uh, and if you want to submit questions or if you want to go vote on other people's questions for the, for the next time I do it, you know, this Q&A style of podcast, then uh, just go to the Google moderator page, which is linked down below. And as you'll see, it works kind of like, uh, works like Reddit. Basically you have a bunch of questions and you can say, this is a good question or this is a bad question. Uh, and then you can submit your own questions and other people can rate them. And uh, so then I can just go down them, pick out, uh, you know, popular questions. Uh, I try to pick out ones that I also get asked a fair amount myself. So it kind of has a, a broader appeal. And, uh, and then I'll take them and I'll, I'll answer them. All right. Thanks again. And I'll see you next time. Hey, it's Mike again. Hope you liked the podcast. If you did, uh, go ahead and subscribe. I put out new episodes every week or two, um, where I talk about all kinds of things related to health and fitness and general wellness. Also head over to my website at www.muscleforlife.com where you'll find not only past episodes of the podcast, but you'll also find uh, a bunch of different articles that I've written Um, I release a new one almost every day, actually. I release kind of like four to six new articles a week. Um, And you can also find my books and everything else that I'm involved in over at MuscleForLife.com. All right. Thanks again. Bye.